Khalif Raymond from the 30. Flag is down. And Raymond has run out of bounds. Another flag comes in at the 32. There are six flags on the field. Thursday, January 5th, 2023, we're back. Well, two of us are back. It's a it's a double, which I think is becoming a nice once every like six months tradition for me and Alex to just rip a duo. It's honestly, I almost view it as like a nice little cleanse. Yeah. Like just 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 like the two two of us. I mean, I think Owen or Adam, I encourage them to try it too. Um, but honestly, the two man's a nice little refresher once in a while. I agree. It is. You're very engaged in the two man. Like it's a lock in yeah. situation. I really like mm-hmm. it. We have Owen moving back up to Edmonton today and then he was coaching so he couldn't make it. And then Adam, I think, is on his way up to Edmonton right now. So, I mean. And I'm doing the podcast from Edmonton. Yep. So I'm yeah. I'm holding down the fort, but that's okay. We'll be back, I think, in full force to break down the games on Monday. It's National Bird Day. I don't know if you have any memorable encounters with any birds. For me, my only bird run in. I have a house I look after. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the show, but one day I opened up the door to the house, went in, and a bird had came in the house through the chimney at night, and yeah. it took me like an hour to get him out. So I'm not really a bird guy, but what do you got on birds? Yeah. Birds are, they're beautiful animals from afar, but uh, I definitely like to, you know, keep my distance because that beak is so scary. It doesn't matter if it's a big bird, small bird. I'm just, you never know what could happen with that beak. But, uh, you know, seeing like a blue jay once in a while is pretty cool. Yeah. That's always like, a, oh, that's a blue jay. I wish right? I was a bird guy. Like, I wish I could like pick them out of the sky and be like, yep, there's a whatever. But that's almost like a flex. It is. It's it, like you're flexing, like your bird knowledge. Like, okay, here's the bird encyclopedia guy. Yeah, dude, it's a skill. I actually wish I yeah. could do it. Um, that's a nice little goal for 2023. Now, usually mm-hmm. this show, we, we talk about football. And, um, I mean, I'm not breaking any news to anybody if I say that here. But, obviously, the biggest thing that's happening in football is Damar Hamlin, who I think we got some positive news on today. And, hopefully, we can keep getting some positive news on as we go. We're recording this on Wednesday night at about 8 o'clock Mountain, uh, just for some context. But, I mean, it's a pretty difficult thing because football, this is a game that we follow and make jokes about and love. But, I think everybody would acknowledge that they've at least had one encounter if they're a big fan of something like this happening and obviously not on this scale but I remember as a kid you know I was a big Steeler guy and I remember Ryan Chazier one of my favorite players as a, as a kid getting paralyzed on Monday Night Football I know he's better now obviously but like th- these are things that just shake you and don't leave you and this is obviously on a much higher scale and like I, I, it was my whole Monday, really. Like, I'm sure most people was. Like, sit down. It's in the back of your mind all day. Like, Bills, Bengals. Like, big game. Three different channels it's on. I mean, to have that happen, it's just, it's one of those you never forget where you are moments. And uh, I, I'm sure you could speak to it, too. Yeah, it was, um, I didn't actually see it live. Um, but, I, I, you know, like, social media was on there in, like, two seconds. And you'd see the hit and everything. And kind of the aftermath and um i've seen like you know stuff like that where you you know you see players you know go down like that and i i saw the hit and they're like okay he's down 
And then I thought, you know, in a few minutes, we'd get an update that, okay, he was able to walk off on his own. Cause that's typically what, like we see hits in hockey like that. We see like all sorts of hits where, you know, he's down for a little bit and then he gets back up. And then like 10, 15 minutes later, there's like more reports coming out and it's like, okay, they had to start CPR on it, which in all my sport and in, in all my um, years of watching sports, I've never, I don't think I've ever, ever seen, you know, someone require CPR on the ice, on the field, on the court. So obviously a really, really unfortunate situation and, and scary situation. And, um, you know, I'm glad the NFL did end up canceling the, the game and not moving forward with it, which, you know, they it almost felt like they were kind of thinking about possibly restarting the game. But I think they just kind of had like a PR meeting and, you know, realized that that would, you know, they, that would get too much blowback. Um, obviously wishing the best for him. I Something like that, I, I just hope that, you know, they started the CPR early enough. I don't know, you know, the brain is pretty sensitive and even the seconds can, you know, leave a pretty lasting impact on the body, um, you know, without oxygen and blood. So I'm not, you know, going to give a medical diagnosis here, but it's a tough situation at this point. Like the football doesn't matter. Like it's really, it doesn't matter. I just hope, you know, he, he can, he can, um, you know, work his way back to you know at least living a normal life um so it, definitely a tough situation and um you know great to see all the uh donations that his gofundme got that was really awesome it went from like two and a half thousand the set goal to like over a mil in like two hours I think it's over five really great. now the humanities that have come out of it have been tremendous i i think like i've been thinking a lot about how we want to approach this on the last couple of days here and it's it's hard because, you know, we sit up here, we make jokes in it about the NFL, and it's hard to pivot off something like this and just pick games, which is not really what we're going to do today. We're not going to talk a ton of football because this is really obviously the only thing that matters to anybody. And I think just watching it live and listening to a lot of the coverage after and just checking, you know, every news source I can, trying to wait for some news back in the hours after it had happened, I think a couple things first of all ESPN I thought they did a really good job and that's down to Susie Colber and Lisa Salters and Buck and Booger McFarlane and Adam Schefter and I know like I'm not in broadcasting school and I've never been taught anything this is the extent of my broadcasting but I'm sure if you have it on a professional level you are trained in some capacity to handle a situation like this but executing it is a whole different thing and so I really thought they did a tremendous job and then listening to xm nfl radio the next day like i thought they did a really good job of pointing out how they had a doctor on a former team doctor who said this is something that gets practiced uh once a year in every stadium a situation like this and you know and the guy said and as difficult as it is it's it's true aside from physically being inside a hospital there's no safer place this could happen to you than on an nfl field like they have 20 of the most well-trained people there like at the drop of a hat running in and you know hopefully we can say that they saved a life with what they did and uh obviously just a really difficult situation so we're gonna sort of try to talk about other things today we do want to do a little bit of week 18 stuff but uh yeah, we can just sort of turn the page and move on. And obviously the best to him and a uh, pretty difficult situation, extremely difficult situation. So just to take a hard right, uh, week 18 for our picks contest, obviously Adam and Owen aren't here today, so it's going to be a little difficult as is, but uh, it's it's tightened up in the in our in our contest here. And um, we're just going to pick the two games because week 18, 
Like, what are we going to do? The, the, the Seahawks, Rams, it only matters for the Seahawks. Like, nobody would sit here and take the Rams. So we're only going to pick the Saturday night game and the Sunday night game. So starting with Saturday night, Tennessee at Jacksonville. Um, winner takes the AFC South in the four seed. Josh Dobbs will start for Tennessee, not Malik Willis. It's Jaguars minus six and a half at home. So what side are you on there, Alex? Um, Is Derek Henry going to play? Yeah, he'll be back. Okay, well... Um, I, I get that Josh Dobbs is starting, but quarterback hasn't really been that important of a position for the Titans all year. Um, and I think this, this spreads a little too high. I know Jacksonville's play, been playing really good, but to see Tennessee to, you know, bet that they won't show up in this game and that they're going to lose their last seven games of the year with Mike Rabel is, you know, hard, hard to, hard to see. So, you know, winner takes all game. Like I'd like to think that Tennessee is going to show up. Um, actually just having Derrick Henry. So I'm going to take the Titans here. Um, I think it's going to be a, you know, a somewhat competitive close game. So I don't, I don't have enough trust in the Jags to, you know, finish business because they just don't really do that that often, um, yeah. you know, come up in the clutch. So yeah, I think I'll go with the Titans here. I like Tennessee for the exact same reasons. And I'm, I'm locking the Titans. I, um, I don't think they're done. Like to, to lose this many games in a row is pretty shocking as is for a Mike Vrabel team. I know it's it, they they've known for 3 weeks the season's going to come down to this. I would have a I would be shocked if they weren't prepared for this game in an extreme way and like you said Jacksonville is not exactly a team that has a rich history of closing things out and performing. So I have a hard time believing this game isn't at least close. Even as good as yeah. Trevor Lawrence has been lately, I really do like the Jag or the Titans. So I'm walking in the Titans. Uh Sunday night Detroit at Green Bay. Green Bay minus four and a half is the line at Lambeau. Now that Rams-Seahawks game matters here because if Seattle beats the Rams, then Detroit is eliminated. That game's in the afternoon, but Green Bay's obviously in a win and in. And if you're wondering if the Seahawks do beat the Rams, Dan Campbell had a pretty passionate statement about how they were going to play all out no matter what. So I don't think it matters if you were worried about that at all. Again, Green Bay minus four and a half at home. What are you on there? I, I said it last week. Um, I like Green Bay. Like I, I liked it uh, the second that we were, you know, talking about playoff scenarios last week. Um, I'm once again for many of the same reasons that I'm picking against the Jags. I'm going to pick against the Lions. They've had a you know pretty successful season this far, but I can't pick against a hot, you know, Packers team. Aaron Rodgers kind of looks like he's found his groove back um, at home in Lambeau. Like against the Lions, you win and you're in. I mean it's pretty hard to pick against green Bay. So I'm going to have to go, uh, I'm going to have, have to go with the pack here. It's tough, but I, I was kind of surprised by the line. Like I thought it was going to be like minus seven or something with how the Packers have been playing. So the fact it's only four and a half, I like, I like the lions here. I think Vegas is trying to throw us a bone and I want to cheer for Detroit anyway. So it's kind of a bonus for me. I really do hope they get in. I think it would be, well, either, either story is pretty entertaining either way, so I'm okay with yeah. whatever. But I, I do hope they get in there and make some noise. So I'm going with them. Adam's picks, if you were wondering, he did send them to me. He likes the Packers and the Jaguars, and then he locks Dallas. So mm. that's whatever the Dallas line is. He's locked that in. But do you have a lock you're giving out this week? Uh, my lock, uh, yeah, forgot to mention, it, it would be the Packers. Because, like I said, I, I kind of had this uh, had this matchup on my eye since last week, and yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going all in on the Packers here. Yes, and I'm locking the Titans. And honor code for Owen, because I don't have his picks, but I'll, I'll make sure we get three of them from him. So yes. we can keep this contest rolling. Now, 
into some other topics here. We obviously had a huge basketball performance on Monday night, the Donovan Mitchell 71-point game, and we didn't really get the chance to hash out Luca's 60-21-10, so I wanted to ask you, 71 points for Mitchell on really efficient shooting and I think 10 assists, or the 60-21-10, which one to you is a bigger performance, more historic performance? Man, uh, that's, a, that's a really tough question. Um yeah, because Mitchell, you know, he he doesn't always have the most efficient shooting nights, so this was surprising for him. They did call um, him Mormon Monte Ellis on the Jazz. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna have to go with Luca. <laughs> I think I'm gonna have to go with Luca. Um, the the 62 points is cool, but the 21 rebounds, and this is in four quarters. It's um it's pretty incredible. So. Um, I, I'll have to go with Luca, but like the Mitchell performance was awesome. Only like thing too, was that he did go to OT. So I think he added a few more points there, not trying to take away from it, but he did go to OT. So, um, but both incredible performances and let's not forget about our guy, LeBron. Yeah. I mean, why did he sign that contract? Can someone explain that to me? Why dude? Like, I guess he just wants to really stay in LA, but it's such a shame seeing him just waste away these like incredible performances on this on this Lakers team yeah and the contract prohibits him from being traded this season which that would have been like the story of stories in the NBA where's LeBron gonna get traded to because I'm sure if they could trade him at this point they just would it makes no sense that he's toiling away on this team other than that his personal interest in being there um I, I would I mean Cleveland's obvious hole is that is his spot from watching them that they keep getting killed in the Levert, Lamar Stevens, Dean Wade rotating three man hole. If he was able to somehow get there again, I mean, I'm not sure that they would be as into that at this point in his career. Yeah. I don't know how much they have because they did give a lot up for Mitchell. Yeah. That's um true. but what like what's LeBron worth to you? Three first picks and a, and a prospect like I don't know yeah I think if he wants to go anywhere he's gonna probably have to sign there like the trade is gonna be I'm sure they would know like how much it's worth on like a business standpoint to have him for jersey sales and ticket sales so I'm sure they would bake that into the trade offer somehow because they're already deprived of young assets to begin with so I think a trade would be much more complicated at this stage in his career anyway because it's like I mean, there is a world where he just keeps going for another like three or four years at at, at some level close to this. I mean, he's already done the impossible by being good for this long. So I think he, if he wants to leave, he's going to have to sign somewhere. But that would just be my guess. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. But a lot of incredible NBA performances um, over the weekend. So yeah. yeah, I even wrote them down because Mitchell 71, Giannis 55, Clay 54, LeBron 43, Embiid 42. That was just since we last recorded on Sunday. Yeah. To me, it seems like, and I know the scoring is up, but it almost feels like a little watered down for me when I get the new, like the notification, like, oh, this guy's got 40, like flip the game on. Like, it seems like it's happening way more frequently, which is kind of taking away from like the specialty. It of is. It, I, guess. I agree. Um, Cause remember when LeBron, I think scored 60 against the Bobcats yep. in like the mask mm-hmm. or whatever. It was one of those games. And everyone was like, Oh my God, like stop what you're doing. Like turn it on. Like now you get a 60 point game every two weeks. Like yeah. it's, it, it, yeah, I'd agree. It is watered down. I don't know. I don't know what's changed, really. 
but yeah, just guys, I don't know. Guys are just like more talented offensively and better. I don't know. Yeah. I think I, mean, I remember like Carmelo's 62 against the Bobcats was like that too. Yeah. It was like, wow, this is crazy. Like 62 points. Now, I don't know what it is. It's all like, I know there's way more threes now. Obviously that's not breaking anything, breaking any news by telling anybody that, but like, I don't know. It's weird. I think the everybody kind of figured out like one way to play offense, and it just the defense has yeah. a really hard time stopping it because he spreads it out, and now yeah. every team is just kind of built the same and plays the same. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's like I don't think it's the I don't think it's the um, clear path foul. Like it's no like that's added to the offense, but but you can't just point it to that. Even though that's been a great rule. Yeah, it's been a great rule that they've implemented this the clear path thing. Um, that's been great, but yeah, I don't know, man, unless you play Toronto, if you play Toronto, you'll, you'll play like a 80, 90 game. I think the, I think the score was seven zero for the bucks, like four minutes left in the first quarter. It was nuts. Yeah. It was like 11 to 10 near, like right near the end of the first quarter. It was raw. It was a lockdown game. (laughs) So the Raptors will bring you back down to earth. I, I don't know about you, but for me, like, yes, I enjoyed basketball watching the regular season at least a lot more when there was like different styles of teams like indiana had hibbert on the block and it was like if you wanted to play yeah. indiana you had to have a big guy now it's like yeah. they're all kind of structured in the same way and they have the same like pieces that just swap in and out at different levels so i don't know i do yeah. kind of miss that a little bit i know it's much smarter to play the way they do now but i did yeah. like the imperfect aspect of it yeah yeah i agree they're they're definitely were like you played like the spurs it's like not one guy scores really more than 20 points, but you'd have like five, six guys score like 15, 16, like Duncan double, double, yep. um, like, like the bulls played a certain way back in the day. It was like really grind you down like defense mm-hmm. and then roses athleticism. So yeah, I agree. There were, you know, definitely different styles. Now it's, um, yeah. I mean, ever since really golden state, the last decade has started playing that sort of ball. I think a lot of teams are trying to emulate that. Um, I think I think also what's contributed to that, Phil, is like the um, positionless basketball. Like, like guys don't really play like there aren't really positions anymore. So it's just kind of everybody's the same. Everybody's like moving around, um, trying to get a three type of type of type of deal. So I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why that's changed so much. Yeah. And I saw the World Wide Wob clip the other day where the guy on the Pelicans, I think it was Jackson Hayes, I caught one right at the rim the guy on him was like six two and he just kicked it back out to the three-point line on a two-on-one i mean nothing sums it up quite better than that just how much things have changed so it's uh pretty wild stuff well two big unfollows to talk about i know one of them you've seen which is Derek carr unfollowing the raiders on instagram and twitter but also we've got d'angelo russell unfollowing the timberwolves so i wanted to know what the bigger unfollow was in your opinion um, I think the bigger unfollow is honestly like Derek Carr. Um, I think that's a pretty big unfollow. Like he doesn't strike me as a super petty guy, but like, you know, kind of the stuff he's been doing here in the, in the last few weeks has been pretty petty to me. Um, especially a guy that, you know, um, yeah, I, I thought, he, you know, him and Russell Wilson are similar, but I thought he was more mature than Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. turns out that's not really the case. He's kind of like, he's kind of <laughs> like Russell Wilson, if I'm being honest. Um, cause like Russell Wilson's pretty petty himself. So yeah, I thought that was a pretty big, um, pretty big unfollow. Cause I look, it's looking like that whole situation's over. Um, and I think, I don't think he's going to be a man of his word. I think he's down to play. 
Um, you know, it's a lot of money. I think that he can still, you know, make in the NFL. I don't see why he would retire. It doesn't really make sense to retire. Um, so I think he's going to continue his NFL career and that whole, um, I'll retire if I'm not a Raider crap is so that's cap. It's straight up cap. So it's aging pretty poorly. And there was also a huge LeBron cap this week. Now that you bring it up, new LeBron cap that he, uh, the second straight segment, bringing up LeBron when it had nothing to do with LeBron, but that he listens to Beethoven pregame to lock in. That was a really good LeBron cap. That one broke like an hour or two ago. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was a big one. It was. It hit the streets like wildfire. Yeah. I'm not sure how he's been balancing out like 2010 Migos and then Beethoven. (laughs) Like, yeah, he leave it to him, dude. He'll find a way to merge the ox and make it work. Yeah. So yeah. at least there's that for him. I do like the idea that D'Angelo Russell though, is like, oh, like I'm not really enjoying my time here. Like the Gobert trade's not working out. Like, let me hit the unfall. Like, let me let me get the trade move. Through the pot. Yeah, let me get the motions going on the trade because I'm trying to get out of here. I'm the guy who should be the priority here. Which I mean, that's the biggest mess in the NBA. But that's. uh Story for another day, I suppose. Um, we got two pretty big copes going on this week. We're just in a what's bigger segment right now, so I just keep throwing them back to you. But what's a bigger cope, in your opinion? Your boy, your man of the year, Cristiano, with, quote, in Europe, I won everything. My work there is done. That was a pretty good one. And then we also had Kyrie, who got his franchise points record passed up by Mitchell, and he said, quote, I played Call of Duty with Mitchell this afternoon, and I knew he was locked in. So he had to take some sort of moral victory out of getting his franchise scoring yeah. record passed. Yeah, because I, I think, you know, Kyrie's trying to go for the, um, you know, when they show the all-time franchise leaders and points scored, it'd be Mitchell first. But there's an asterisk mm-hmm. because yeah. Kyrie knew he was locked in. <laughs> yeah. Asterisk. So Kyrie definitely gets a part of that, mm-hmm. um, 71 points. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with Ronaldo again. Like my guy is talking crazy. Like my boys, Derek Carr, (laughs) Ronaldo, like my boys are talking crazy right now. So, um, pretty ludicrous quote. He has accomplished everything in Europe, but to say my work in Europe is done. And it's like, I'm here to conquer the middle East now. Like I'm here to conquer Saudi Arabia and win everything that's here. Like, what are you talking about, bro? He thinks it's a video game. He thinks it's a video game. Like, because I think they play in the AFL, which is like the Champions League version of like Asia and the Middle East. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's pretty weird, um, that, that quote. Yeah, I uh, I can't say I really understand it either. I do like the idea that Kyrie ha- like took a little piece of it, though. He's like, all right, like you did score 71, yes. But if I didn't log on to my Xbox this afternoon, like you wouldn't have done that. Yeah, so... and help you lock in. Yes. Like I help you lock in. So it was me, really. I was the man behind it, it all. Basically. I still hold yeah. the record. Yeah, I guess so. Um, we got Jim Harbaugh who's looking. I, I don't know because he said today he thinks he's going to be at Michigan, which I think a little bit of a think off here. I think if he said, I'm going to be at Michigan, that would have been all I needed. But him saying, I think I'm going to be at Michigan makes me believe that he thinks he's going to go to the NFL. So, that being said, 
there's two teams that are pretty desperate for some solutions at head coach and are willing to pay, and they're Denver and Carolina. And I heard David Tepper is very interested in bringing Jim Harbaugh to Carolina. Both of these teams, to me, scream like a John Gruden-style contract and disaster because we're looking at a guy who last time he was in the NFL, it was like 2014, he was obviously the guy to have Kaepernick, but things have changed so radically since then. I know he had quarterbacks who or quarterbacks now match the style of Kaepernick a little closer, I would say, but offense has changed so much. To me, you can't just plop a guy out of the game for that long, even though he is in college, and then throw him back in and expect him to resume his success. And I think it's setting up for, I mean, the Panthers, for their sake, I hope they don't do it because they're, under David Tepper, they've been a disaster every year. But to me, this screams like a Bronco nightmare coming in hot. So I don't know which yeah. one do you see being worse, I guess. Oh, so just a little bit on the John, uh, on the J- J- John Harbaugh, right? Jim, um, <laughs> Jim, sorry, Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> I think, um, I, I don't know what, what's so appealing to these NFL teams about hiring these college coaches. Like, I don't know. Like Jimmy Johnson was a once in a lifetime thing where he conquered college football and then he went to the Dolphins and then won a bunch in the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Like that would that happened once. I can't really like put my finger on another coach that's you know conquered college as much as they did. Like freaking Nick Saban hasn't wanted to go back because he knew that the NFL is a different animal. I think honestly, college football and NFL are two different sports. Like those are two completely different things. Um, so I don't know how much of his success is really going to translate to. Two organizations that are not very stable, like, like, like I don't know. He's not going to the, I don't know, the Baltimore Ravens, like where his brother's coaching, like a stable organization that kind of knows what it's doing, or you know, um, or the Kansas City Chiefs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to two pretty, you know, heat organizations. If I were to say, I think, I think the Broncos one is a bit worse. I think in Carolina, I like the Carolina team a bit better. And I think there's a lot less pressure in Carolina to succeed. If he goes to Broncos, that's, you know, Cowboys are number one, but like Broncos are right there in terms of like eyes and expectations and media and everything. Like it's a big franchise and, and the owners are pissed already. Like the, the, the Walmart family, I'm just going to call them the Walmart family that works. inherited all this crap and, uh, and they want to win, you know, and, but the situation doesn't look great because the owner said the, the next coach is going to have to report through me that doesn't sound very appealing to be a coach, like to a very appealing spot. So I, I'd have to say Denver would probably be the worst situation. Plus how the hell do you get rid of that Russell Wilson contract? Like that's yeah. I wouldn't understand it from either side. Like, I don't know why he would want to be there at all. It doesn't make much sense to me. And then I don't know why they would like, what if he doesn't get along with Russell Wilson? Then what do you do? Like you just have them both for like six years. That doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why either side is interested. And I think these, this Denver was a model model franchise for a long time. Like under the Bolin era, they were just a force and always getting back to 500, no matter what happened. And these Walmart people have come in and turned the thing on its head. Like I, I have no idea. I, I, they're the furthest thing from stable. And I think what you're seeing with Sean Payton is like, he's not willing to go anywhere. It doesn't matter about the quarterback. It doesn't matter about anything else. It's just the ownership. That's the only thing that matters. And these two teams 
have a, have a very rocky both guy both guys one very new and one recently new are yeah. very rocky situations so i don't understand it from either of their perspectives but yeah both have potential to flame out big uh i know we're kind of bouncing around here but i do want to kind of wrap on basketball we have a couple red flag teams and situations going on right now first of all and, and one of them is the raptors we'll just hit them in a separate point because i do want to talk to you about the raptors today but uh the suns being four and 11 in their last 15 and i know booker's been out for 10 but that's still a really rough situation the celtics who started on fire but are five and seven in their last 12 and lost by 33 with, to Oklahoma city without SGA. And they gave up 150 points and then, <laughs> and then Zion going down three weeks is just a red flag in of itself. Because uh, if you ask me, he's looking like he could just change his name to Anthony Davis. This is yeah. where it's headed with him. So which one jumps out to you? There is a big red flag or the biggest one. Wow. Um, I don't know. They're they're all pretty pretty bad. Um, you know, I, I think the Celtics one's fine. Like I, I was really surprised by the loss though, because I was like, okay, let me check. You know, to see how many uh, points SGA scored, and then I was like, oh, it was a DNP, all right. And I'm like, okay, well maybe Brown and Tatum didn't play, and I'm like, oh, they did. <laughs> um, so that one was very heat. Um, as you know, Zion is still like we know about his injury issues, and um, but I, I I still I'm. I like the Pelicans. I like where they're going. I think they have a lot of solid guys, so I wouldn't panic. They don't have Ingram either. Um, I, I'd honestly say I think, like you said, we'll get to the Raptors later. But I don't. I, the Suns, man, like, like you said, I know Booker's been out, but um, like uh, the Raptors beat them, and the Raptors are really, really bad. The Raptors were able to beat them, I think, uh, last week. Chris Paul, he's still, I think, playing all right, but it's not enough. And I think for in order for the Suns to win, like on a like week to week basis, they have to play in like forty minutes, and that's just not something that can work um, if you're if you're planning on going deep in the playoffs. Like if you play Chris Paul forty minutes in regular season games, that's fine, but by the playoffs, he's going to be zero. Um, so I think the Suns are a pretty concerning situation, and they just seem like a franchise that isn't very stable to me. So. Um, yeah, I don't really like where they're headed. Yeah, and they're obviously going through their change in ownership as well, which is going to sort of cloud over them in the next couple of years, I would think. To me, it's becoming more and more obvious that they just missed their window. And that's something that happens yeah. in the NBA way more frequently than in other sports. But, I mean, we could even go back and listen to our shows after that finals. I mean, that's the nice thing about these podcasts. We can go back and dig up what we said. But I'm sure at least one of us, if not more, if not all of us, said oh, the Suns will be back. Like, look at their foundational pieces. Now it's the furthest thing from a guarantee that they'll be back. And, you know, to think about where they were 18 months ago to now, I don't really know what they would do to, like, change the mojo here. Because like you said, Chris Paul is really, I mean, he is still producing, yes, but, I mean... He's not like, like LeBron could keep going for three or four more years and that wouldn't surprise me. Him going for yeah. two or three would shock me. Like that's the stage we're at with him. He's He doesn't have much yeah. longer at this level. And to see this sort of fractured situation with Aiton there, I would be really, really concerned if I was them. And I don't really know how they plan to reinvent themselves because you got an inexperienced GM for the most part and a fresh new owner in there they smell like a panic trade or something to me that just it, it won't age well yeah. i don't like their situation at all yeah no i once I, I agree like they were forced to sign that eight contract like we know they didn't want to sign that contract 
he's playing all right, but like it doesn't seem like his teammates are like super supportive of him. I know Chris Paul isn't because if if he was, he would have this none of none of this would have happened. Um, and then as good as Booker is, like I don't think he's taking you to the finals, and I don't think you're winning the finals with you know Devin Booker single handedly carrying you to the to the finals. Like I just that's not a thing. I think he's like probably you know the the maybe a second option on a championship roster um as good as he is in the regular season but uh, like i don't think he's luka tatum level no like luka luka and tatum those guys can take you to the final look at luka's team luka's team is literally a g league team yeah um but he 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 cooked the suns it was embarrassing and then i think it was just too much to to try and knock out golden state but i think they lost to golden state in six right yeah so still, still respectable. respectable yeah still respectable so yeah like it's 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 definitely tough to be uh to to be part of that organization right now. Yeah, and I totally agree. He's not that level of star. Like like that's that's a level that very few guys can hit. Like it's not a diss against yeah. him to say that he's still no. a top twelve, top ten player. But yeah, not a lot of guys can hit that level. So I I completely agree. I think the Celtics, like like you said, like they're they're not a red flag team because. Okay, what happened with Ime gives them an excuse a little bit for what's happened this year. I don't think their coach has been tremendous from what I've seen, but they still yeah. have Tatum, like you said. And Brown has taken yeah. a step forward where he is at almost a Booker level, so they'll figure it out. Like they'll be yeah, they'll exactly. be back where they are, no problem. And and can I also say on the Celtics, you know, I think I can't say te- like teams try to throw games, but the Celtics might have even been like, like, what are we playing so hard for? Like mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, you know, I think they played so hard that last half of the season that, you know, towards they were just gassed. And then they saw how grueling the playoffs were. Yeah, they went, you know, I know they swept the Nets. But then they went like literally the one of the hardest series against the Bucs. Um, and then I, I think they played the Heat in the uh, in, in in the conference finals. Yeah. And they were like, holy smokes, you need a lot of energy to get, you know, this far because they've never been that far before. So, yeah, I agree. I think the Celtics are fine and them losing games. I really don't care. They have Tatum and Brown they're fine yeah and we clowned tatum quite a bit in the playoffs 100 turnovers he had the most ever in the playoffs but to see the way he's come back this season he's played an mvp level i think it's become more and more clear to everybody that the his performance in the finals was more a result of him being tired and that was speculated at the time but yeah now it's just becoming abundantly clear and he's the type of guy that you know he's a top five guy he's gonna make adjustments he's just wired differently he'll Make sure yeah. not to make those mistakes again. Um, you're Raptors. You're in a bit of a sticky spot here. Now, you are playing yeah. right now. Impossibly, the Raptors were down 16 with two minutes left and forced overtime tonight. We don't Whoa. we don't know the result of that game, but they had like a near impossible comeback to get it to overtime. Now, having said that, they're 16 and 12 as of when we're recording. They're 12th in the East. You said to me the other day, you you think you have an idea for the direction you want this to go now. Yeah, I think, um, and you know, I've been listening to a lot of NBA personalities, and you know, um, and and I agree with them. I think that they like the consensus is that the Raptors should rebuild. Like, I think it's an inevitable thing. Um, I think we've been pushing it off for as as long as we could have. You know, the rebuild could have happened right after Kawhi left, but you know, we pushed it off for about you know two three years and we were still a competitive team and even like on paper our roster looks good but for some reason we just can't get it done i i can't really put my finger on it because we do have a lot of talented players and if we were to do a rebuild i think we'd get a haul for a bunch of guys honestly 
once again, I don't know if OG is going for Donovan Mitchell price. Like, I don't know if Zach Lowe is just being crazy on that. But I know a lot of teams do covet OG, and that would be a pretty nice haul. Uh, Gary is an expiring. Gary's a great player. Like, averages, I think, 18, 19 points per game. If you need some scoring, like, get Gary. Um, maybe not the most efficient guy, but he's almost like a, like a really young buddy healed. Like, he scores a mm-hmm. lot. Of, like, he's a professional scorer. Um, and then, you know, the thing is, is, like, what do you do with Siakam? Because Siakam is arguably like a top 20, top 25 NBA player. And it's like, you rebuild with that sort of a guy on your roster. You know, that's a decision for Ujiri to make. I think Fred Van Vliet's cooked. Like, I know he scored like maybe 20, 25 points, but he just strikes me as a guy that's just going to age so poorly. And as you and I know, um, you also follow the Raptors somewhat closely. Like, mm-hmm. man, last two, three years, he's been playing 40 minutes a game. Like, there's no way. And he's, and he's a guy that had to grind really hard at the beginning of his career too. Like, don't forget, he wasn't a rookie that was just kind of chilling on the bench, like, first two, three years, let me learn behind Kyle. He was chilling on the bench in the NBA games, but he was back in the G League after, like, grinding every single day, too. Mm-hmm. So, I, I just strikes me as a guy that won't age very well. Um, so, we have Scotty. You know, uh, you can say what you want about Scotty. I, I still think people are be- being pretty harsh on him. He's averaging, like... I think he's averaging like 14, seven and six or something like, like he's averaging, I think a respectable amount for a second year rookie. So, um, but you know, I, I think it might be time to rebuild because I thought our chance was possibly last off season to, to make a splash, whether that was Kevin Durant or some of the other guys, I think that was the chance. We didn't do it again for some reason. I don't know why. And now we're in a position where, you know, it's more, it's makes more sense to rebuild than to go all in. Yeah. I think you need, now, I think now the, the focus has become clear. You need to operate on the Barnes timeline. Barnes can't help the guys that are in their primes right now as much as you would get advantages from getting guys that could help Barnes on his timeline. And I think the frustrating part is the Raptors are a lot like the Spurs in a way of five years ago, and that's just the comparison I'll use because the Spurs are the team that I follow the closest. The Spurs had a stretch there where we would we would not, and I say we, but you know what I mean, they wouldn't draft guys high in the draft because they didn't have bad enough seasons to get down there, but they would always find guys that could come in and play roles, and I'm thinking of like Jonathan Simmons, and I'm thinking of Murray, who was 29th, and Derek White, who was 29th, and these guys were always kind of coming in and helping. They weren't star players, but they were good enough to keep you around 500 and keep you in the playoffs, and I think the Raptors have done pretty much the same thing. Like, think about Siakam was 27th pick, OG was 20th pick, they got Gary Trent in a trade, but he was a second round pick when he was drafted, I know there's more guys yep. that I'm missing, but now Fred, Fred was obviously an undrafted, undrafted and four-year college guy. And now that you're sort of in this spot where the Spurs were in a few years ago, honestly, where it's like, okay, we can keep going, you know, 46 and 36 yeah. every year, but we're never going to get that guy to knock down the door again. Like lightning can only strike in the bottle once. And it quiet 15 yeah. was that for San Antonio Siakam to a lesser extent was that for Toronto, but now you're sort yeah. of seeing the wall and I wouldn't be that upset about it if I were you. And I'm sure you're not like you got the championship no. out of these guys. No. You have great memories with this team. Yeah. I would be okay to proceed with the rebuild. Oh, no, oh, I'm, I'm not upset in lightest i've uh, absolutely no and uh, like raptors fans are very very toxic and, and crazy as i follow i follow so many of them on twitter and a lot of them are like pissed what kind of a season they're getting on ujiri like 
I, I can't believe people forget. Like, I know three years have passed, but come on, man. Like, it was that was an all time championship. It was so much fun to watch that team. Um, like you said, like, like Siakam was the second best player, second, third best player on that team, arguably. Um, so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate to rebuild it. Once again, it might look a little tough because I, I'm still a little surprised because the team is like, when you look on paper, OG, Pascal, mm-hmm. Trent, um, and, and Scotty, even though he's regressed a little bit this year, you know, good coach and Nick nurse, but even with Nick nurse, I'm starting to think like, has he, you know, has he like run dry a little bit with the team? Like, I don't know. Do they need a new voice? Cause you know, Pascal and Fred have been hearing that guy for a long time now. Um, and you know, they might just need a refreshment. I don't know. So it's tough. And from what I read, I think Michael Grange, you know, take it with, with you will with him. He's not the greatest reporter, <laughs> Raptors reporter. Um, I'm more of a Lewinberg guy, but Aww. he did say that, that even, um, as, as it's what January 4th right now, mm-hmm. that even the Raptors don't know if, if they want to fully commit to a rebuild. So, uh, I don't know. I think we'll just have to wait and see until I think it's February 9th is the trade deadline, which is like, holy smokes. That's like right around the corner. In like a month. Mm-hmm. It's like in a month. Um, so, but it'll be really interesting to see what where they where they choose to pivot. Yeah, and a couple of things that you said there I, I did want to comment on. I think with Nick Nurse, for one, I think that coaching in the NBA on one hand in most sports now, coaching runs dry pretty quickly. Um, expect NBA, it's like a five-year shelf life, really. Hockey, it's maybe like three. Football. <laughs> it, hockey, it's like a year, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Football is, is different in a lot of ways, and baseball is much the same. But basketball is a pretty short shelf life. But I also think, I think Nick Nurse proved everything you could want a coach to prove. I don't really. Yeah. I wouldn't really want to get rid of them. Like I would. I would much rather. As weird as this is, I would rather just get new guys in. In instead. Yeah. Like no, for sure. I, I fully am confident in his abilities, and I think yeah. you sort of like gear your franchise around him as like a as a, a Popovich Spolstra type figure, even if for he's sure. not at that level as a game. Manager I do agree with you. I do. I do agree with what you're saying because. Um, I would take the Miami Heat success that they've had over the last decade in a heartbeat. And one one person that's been consistent with them is Eric Spolstra. So I, I do agree with you. I mean, honestly, if you want to just keep the Ujiri-Nurse um, tandem, fine with that. I, I, and I do agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think you... I think... In a, re- in a lot of ways, like it's it's frustrating because you won the championship and you want to keep the guys, like you want them to be Raptor legends. But at the same time, like we said, you can be you know you can be grateful for what they did and and not hold any hard feelings, obviously. But it's also exciting to turn the page because you know the management is capable of doing things properly. Like you you shouldn't exactly. be stressed about doing a rebuild because the management exactly. has already done it before. So it's it's easy. Like honestly, this should be the st- I completely agree that this is the obvious move. You literally read my mind because that was the next next topic. That was that was the next thing I was going to say is, you know, you're not going into a rebuild with um, you know, some team that just keeps whiffing on draft picks and has horrible management and or like you know the like the charlotte hornets mm-hmm. like like say the charlotte hornets had the toronto raptors roster but you know what you know about their management mm-hmm. i'd be like no no like let's yeah. trade all the picks we have like keep <laughs> go all try in try to see relevant as as long as we can but this is different like ujiri has a proven track record i'll give bobby webster some 
credit too. Like, like we have good management. We've been drafting great guys from the second round, first, late first round. And, you know, Scotty Barnes is still a really good pick, I think. And it'd be interesting to see what the Raptors could do with, you know, three, four years possibly of, of, of high draft picks, Mm -hmm. you know? And like you said, I think that would be exciting, you know? So, and, and the Raptors dude, really, if you think about it, they've been competitive for almost a decade. Almost, yeah, yeah, almost a decade. Honestly, like that's a really long time. Ever since you know Kyle and Demar started getting us into the playoffs, and that was maybe like three, four years that Kyle and Demar were taking us to the playoffs. Plus Kyle, plus post uh, Kawhi era, and then post Kyle Lowry era. Like that's a really long time. Mm-hmm. So I don't think fans should be like scared about a rebuild. It's normal, it's inevitable. So I wouldn't be completely against it. And last thing, th- this is this is the right time. You you've done it, and I think. I looking back, I was really as a Spurs fan around, and I, I I hate to keep bringing him up, but around twenty after Kawhi left, I was I didn't want them to do a rebuild really because they were so close to that playoff record in all of sports. I wanted them to go twenty eight years straight making the playoffs, and I know that they did too. That that's why they didn't do the Brandon Ingram for Kawhi trade. That's why they took DeRozan. That's why they didn't do. I I know I can't remember the other Jalen Brown for Kawhi trade. They didn't do that yeah. because they wanted to stay in the competitive playoff race. But if they had done that, they would have just been in such a better position going forward, but they were too focused on that record. The Raptors, you've put together eight good years. There's no, or nine good years, whatever it is. There's no shame in that. Like, turn the page. You can miss the playoffs. It's fine. You're not, like, it doesn't matter. You're not trying to build towards that record. You're not trying to set that standard. That doesn't matter. So I think this is the perfect time. For sure. Yeah. Um... I wanted to ask you about the Flames, too, if you don't mind. We could do that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because we can hit that quickly. I guess both of us can talk about our teams. But the Flames, well, I mean, I don't know how much has changed since the last time we talked about them, but it has kind of been a frustrating season. So where do you stand right now? Yeah, frustrating season, um, to say the least. But once again, um, I, I generally view myself as a fan that doesn't overreact too much. Like, I, you know, some of the ma- comments I made about the Raptors not overreacting too much. I, I generally don't want to overreact too much to the Flames. And generally as a hockey fan, because like I've said, hockey is the most unpredictable sport that I watch. And a team that gets in last could win the Stanley Cup. And, you know, you might look really bad during the regular season. But you could honestly, if you can finish your last like freaking 15 games, your last 15 games hot. And, you know, you could knock someone out that's the top seed, the President's <laughs> Trophy champion. It really is, as funny as it sounds, it really is like that. So um, I'm not saying the Flames are winning the Stanley Cup. I think we have, you know, pretty big issues. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. I think, um, you know, Huberto started to play better, quite at least almost like a point per game, I think, in his last, um, I don't know, 17, 18 starts. So it's been better than than what than how we started the season. Uyghur got his, you know, first goal finally. Thank the Lord. It's uh it feels like, you know, two steps in the right right direction with, you know, one one step back. So kind of just hovering around that like wild card spot, which is typically Sutter teams don't go all out in in the season really. Last year an exception for sure, but like with all those Kings teams that we watched um they never were you know president's trophy champions or you know getting top seat that's just not i think the way he wants them to play i've had my opinions on sutter he's you know honestly been still pissing me off just with 
you know, I'm not going to get into the rookie stuff anymore because I'm sick of and tired of talking about that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Maybe they're saving themselves a little bit for the playoffs just because they saw again how grueling it is to play in the playoffs. Um, so maybe they just save their best hockey for, you know, later in the season. But right now I'm not going to panic too much. I still think, you know, playoffs are realistic. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I think that's a pretty achievable spot for them to find themselves in. I don't think you're asking too much there. Teams yeah. ahead of them aren't that great. They should be able to hover around where they are, no problem. And then... You know, anything can happen. Like you say, I wouldn't be worried about getting there if I was you. And uh, well, I'm sorry. That's the only thing I would be worried about if I was you is just getting there. And can I say just quickly, like the West is, I mean, what am I supposed to be scared of the Dallas Stars? It's open. Like, oh my God, the Winnipeg Jets. Like, come on. Like I, the only team that really scares me, I think are the Golden Knights just because those guys play like crazy in the playoffs. But the Kings, the Kraken, like we know the Oilers and Flames. You're are missing kind of like, one. I was gonna say. I, I was. I'm, get, I'm getting to the oil, but like you know, the oil too. I th- the Flames are only one point up ahead of them, so not too much of a gap between them. Um, you know, got to keep our eyes on Colorado. That's for sure, because yeah. you know they were missing a lot of guys. <laughs> that's a I good one to keep your eye on. <laughs> I think they're definitely gonna you know take a playoff spot from the Jets <laughs> or the Wilds. But uh, yeah, they're going to be pretty crazy to play whoever gets them in the playoffs too. So yeah, they're kind of at that point they just want to get in too. I uh, as an Oiler guy, quickly I can give my thing here because I've been tossing and turning the last couple of days because so much of how I've been feeling this season, or about at the halfway, kind of depends like on the day because they have such hot and cold streaks where I'll be like everything's fine. They they look you know when they just got to get to the playoffs they can do what they did again. And then they'll have nights where it's just not, they just, the, the things that, the problem with the way they lose is it's always in their control. Like, it's mistakes in their own end. It's not being good enough in front of the net. And now I'm kind of at the point where it's been 40 games, and it, I really do, I try not to criticize, especially in hockey and baseball, the manager or the coach or the general manager because they're at practice every day. They know everything that's going on. I definitely don't have a better way to make decisions than they do like they have much more information than i will but having said that i really hope that ken holland is starting to weigh in his mind the value of having these young guys on on inexpensive contracts in comparison to guys who could help now because i understand philip broberg and evan bouchard and dylan hallway are young guys who if things go correctly will make a huge impact at a very cheap salary. But having said that, that's two or three years away, and I don't really know that the Oilers should be waiting two or three yeah. years. I think they should just... And, I'm, and you know, everybody says the guys are interested in Edmondson, Chikrin, Gavrikov. Like, get two of them. Like, why, why are you just stopping? Like, I don't understand why they're just limiting themselves... We know what the holes are. Like, let's just 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 go for it. Like, I hope that they're weighing the importance of this right now because I, on one hand, it is great to have these guys. But on the other hand, like, this is a pretty special situation here. We've, we've put huge term in players to get their average value down so we can add guys. Like, we don't need the cheap salary guys anymore. Yeah. We got to get impact yeah. guys. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And I know it's always scary to, you know, oh, could we possibly trade a franchise defenseman? But, you know, that's a risk you're willing to take. You already have two franchise players. I mean, asking for 
three to four franchise players is quite like that's pretty rare to have like three four franchise players yeah um and i'd rather just get the solid guys that are ready to win now because we know that mcdavid and drysdale are ready to win now and there's no reason to not be all in with them and um you know and you could you never know the flames i never thought adam fox would win the norris like i knew he was a good defenseman yeah. and i knew that our situation was different like we had to throw him into that trade with carolina and he ultimately never even ended up playing for carolina and then he just turned out to be a norris uh norris trophy defenseman so you never know with hockey um and then the other thing i'd say is trade for him now bro yeah. like i know sometimes the market has to materialize just jump in there now don't even wait to get outbid because because we know defensemen do take a really long time to adjust. And we can see that with Mackenzie Weger right now. Um, but and like like you said, why lim- just don't just get them both? Yeah. Like it's good, solid defensemen. We already know the Oilers, how talented they are on offense. And you know, goalie is still I'm still a wor- bit of, a bit worried about, you know, playing goalie because playing goalie in the in the regular season, as good as Skinner's been, playing goalie in the regular season, playing goalie in the playoffs is totally different. Especially in but a like, Canadian could, market too. Especially in a Canadian market. But like, even to help the goalies, if you can solidify the defense, like it's going to be a really scary team to play with. But if your defense and your goalie are a bit of question marks, then it's it's tough to see them going like too, too far. And I know it's weird to say because they were in the conference finals last year, but you know, things change. And, and I agree, I think, I think, and we were talking about it before we went live. Like, it's really impressive that the Oilers haven't traded any of their first-round picks since, whatever, 2013, 14. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at some point, you got to be like, okay, like, I don't care how we're going to play in 2025, 2026. I want to win now. Yeah. And then I think that's just a, ho- a decision Holland has to make and go forward with and commit. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like, it's one thing if it's Kyle Dubas in charge and he's got six years left on his deal. Ken Holland's near the end of his career. McDavid's got four years left. Dreisel has three years left. You you're gonna have to know in probably two years if one of them if one of them wants to go. You're you're gonna have to make a decision in two years. So yeah. you have to win yeah. now and missing the playoffs, which I don't think they'll do. I think no. because everything they've lost has been in their control. I think more focus would they would have a much higher yeah. record. Which I mean that's a whole different conversation about leadership and the guys that left and whatever. But yeah. I think that's kind of where we stand right now. And, and I agree with you. You had a great take too that you know as much as. And Keith was made fun of, like. Oh, I think the reason Bouchard, because him and Bouchard played on yeah. this, they were pairing. That's one of the reasons Bouchard was so sick in the playoffs was because like he could just like go play offense. And like my main problem with hockey people with these stats, hockey is not <laughs> a game of like that's a tool, sure, but hockey's a game that really relies on like leadership, and, leadership, and, and guiding, and to have an extra coach on the ice. Like Duncan yep. Keith with three cups of gold, like a literal flawless hockey resume. To have that guy on the ice, that's invaluable. Like, and that's yeah. like if Jonathan Taves is available, I pray the Oilers get that guy at fifty percent retained or whatever. However, they can do that. That's like a dream addition. You you couldn't yeah. ask for anything more than that. So hundred percent, they need another guy like that, and they've they've lost they lost two of them, maybe three in the off season. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, we can do bozo genius of the week, and then we could wrap up. Uh, bozo, I got one here. I and I think, I mean, this is a complicated story, so I'm going to explain it to the people that don't know. And there's a lot of moving parts. It's a huge story, but this everybody involved in this USA soccer is a bozo for me. And if you don't know the story, I'll quickly give it to you in the most 
abbreviated version. Gio Reyna is informed before the World Cup, who's a young striker for Dortmund, that he's not going to have a big role from the coach Greg Berhalter. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he tells him he's going to have a limited role at the World Cup. USA obviously gets eliminated, and then it comes out Berhalter, who had his contract expire on December 31st. There was an article that alleged a domestic abuse incident that USA Soccer was investigating from 1991. Now, today it comes out that this was given to USA Soccer by the parents of Gio Reyna in response to him being benched. And then it gets even deeper when you find out that the mom of Gio Reyna is college roommates with the wife of Berlhalter and then Berlhalter played on World Cup youth teams high school teams with Gio Reyna's dad so all four people are very connected so they would have known the information gave it to USA Soccer in response to him being benched and told he has a limited role it looks bad on the player it looks bad on the parents it looks bad on the coach obviously it looks looks bad on USA Soccer for not investigating this, there's before they hired him, there's no winner here. This is a like a complete nightmare situation. And the fact that USA Soccer would let it get to the press after all that, this is terrible. Man. So man, these wow. I mean, a lot of these organizations, I, I'm not gonna talk about hockey Canada because they're just straight up disgusting. But like look at this too. Like the the way they hide hide some of these things is is insane. And then the way his like family is using that as leverage, yeah, like we're gonna leak it if you don't play our son, is is absolutely nuts. Um, so wow, that's honestly a crazy story. On I, everybody's a bozo. That's like it's like hundred bozos. Yeah, I know it's like a multiplication table. And then on a much wow. on a much lighter one, I did have a scientist because apparently there's a new study, and this is just an honorable mention. You could vote for it if you want, but a uh, new study that uh, potato shaped rocks skip better than flat rocks i mean that that's just blatantly false like there's no way I, I, like I, that's just completely false there's literally no truth in that have as any have the scientists ever tried like i said let's try and focus on stuff that you know maybe saves lives improves yeah, yeah. our lives i don't need a report on what skips better a potato rock or an actual rock yeah. i'm good Thanks. i already know the answer so you don't have to yeah. you don't have to look into that one we're good yeah yeah. yeah, geez, that's some dumb funding. I don't know whoever funded that. But, um, my bozo of the week is just anybody voting and having Babylon, the film, win anything. <laughs> um, I hate to be back on it again, but I have to. Um, so discussing film critic awards, a lot of awards now. Um, Babylon won best production design at that. So, I mean... I'm not going to hate on the production design. That probably wasn't the worst part of the movie, but the movie shouldn't be winning anything. Yep. Just should. It can sit so, on the sideline. It can sit on the sideline. I don't think it should win anything. Um, like, I know, once again, it's like, well, the production design was pretty good. The, the plot and everything else was so bad that I think it brought the production design <laughs> down. So, I didn't no. have time to look at the production design, to be quite honest. Because the plot was so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. And the acting and the writing. So... <laughs> So I think it brings it down as a whole. And you know what? Let's just cancel Babylon. All right. You know, you know, what's amazing though. I talked to, so we talked about it on the podcast, right? I, I talked to three people who either heard the podcast or after the fact said, you didn't like Babylon. 
I was like, oh, no, I didn't God. like Babylon. I no. thought it was one of the worst movies ever. But one Connor who's been on this show was like, oh, I thought it was like very enjoyable. Like it wasn't like a great movie, but it was fun. And then another guy said the same thing to me. I just no, I couldn't disagree. No, I can't, can't. I can't get behind that. No, no, neither can I. So I get. We could just throw all those guys as bozos. They're all just yeah. in there. We don't have to get everybody. Vote. Everybody and genius of the week. My genius of the week is the Winter Classic. Now, Alex did send me a video of the guys who were sitting. I think on the first base side with, I mean. Little to no view of the boards, <laughs> let alone the play, um, uh, at the Winter Classic in at Fenway Park. Oh my God! I did go to Winter Classic when I was ten. I saw the Habs play the Flames at McMahon Stadium, and I remember nothing about the game. Like, it's hard to see anything. Like, it's very small, but it was a really good time. I remember the crowd and like how big it was, but. The NHL, they first of all, they do do a good job at like promoting it and stuff. So genius for that, but also genius for somehow selling seventy thousand tickets to these because, like, honestly, it's kind of a scam. Like, I don't know, and they're the most expensive tickets possible at these events at Fenway Park and stuff. I don't understand the fascination for people going, but hey, uh, like, like I'd sue. Like <laughs> it's. it's so bad but then again when you get to the seat you're like well what did i expect yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is in a baseball stadium like or an nfl stadium like what was i expecting and um and those guys weren't even like those guys seats weren't even like nosebleeds no they weren't the like, worst those seats were, possible. like first bowl seats. yeah and it still looked so bad um so it, it honestly is a scam i don't know how they because they do promote it pretty well it's like oh like winter classic like it's a big deal like you know it makes it sound like it's a it's the biggest event after you know behind the playoffs um but yeah it, it, it honestly i looking back on it i would i don't think i could honestly get myself to to pay tickets to watch that Corey perry's walk from like you know two three years ago should tell you everything you need to know about the winter classic that, that's the, the distance fact, it's not a coincidence that walk took two minutes okay so just putting that out there yeah it's a bit of a tough scene i mean i remember i had a great time but like seeing things was heat i remember how difficult of a time i had so yeah there's that it's like hey guys i got tickets like right up against the boards yeah yeah it's like not the actual hockey boards yeah. up against or the glass it's up against the boards of the you know second deck the, uh, batting cage yeah yeah <laughs> we're up again we're right above the bullpen dude we're we're lit yeah. It's it's yeah. fire, dude. We're gonna have a great view, man. Yes. <laughs> What'd you have? Um, my genius um of the week was uh Jacques Vaughn. Yeah. Because uh, honestly, respect to that guy. I uh, this guy's like a, like a net for life. Because he was their coach um back when they were playing summer league, and that Nets roster was pretty bad. I think Kyrie was like, I'm not going to the bubble. Uh, Durant was out for the year. Um, and he still coached them and was like, you know, they had a respectable record. Like, they were still a tough team. I remember they played the Raptors in the first round back then. Um, and, you know, he took – and that was a bad situation. And then he took the Nets after Nash left, which was also a horrible situation. They – unfortunately, they just lost their 12-game winning streak to the Bulls, which is he. But nonetheless, still took them on a 12-game winning streak. You know, you can say what you want about Kyrie um, and KD. Kyrie's playing some unbelievable basketball. Yeah. As a basketball fan, that's all I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. He's playing some unbelievable basketball. He's playing really well. Durant seems to be having fun again. Um, and then it was just kind of um, – because um, I saw the video on Twitter floating around where, like, 
you know, he was cooking up the play and then Katie was like, oh no, maybe like we could do this, like set this play up for Kyrie. And then Kyrie was like, it's going to work coach. And the coach was like, yes, like I believe in you. It's going to work. So it looks honestly like they went from a really toxic team to like a really close knit, you know, group of guys. It looks like a really fun time. Like Utah Watanabe is like going to be like in the three point competition. Like, like it looks like a really good time. So um, I'm glad that he was able to turn this team around. Like, honestly, like kudos to him. Like, really good job. It is a lot better for the NBA when the Nets are not a disaster. Like, sure. Yeah. Sure. It's interesting to talk about and it's on the headlines, but it's not like I would much rather them just be good because I love watching yeah. Kevin Durant in big games and Kyrie Irving in big games, too, as a basketball yeah. player. So, yeah, I mean, I. I fully get behind that and that was a great video like i i don't know where that yeah. came from but to have the mics on in that situation and have like, it was the sick follow-up, that's like and it was against the raptors of all people it was, it was like a buzzer be- yeah it was a buzzer be- it was Kyrie hitting a buzzer beater in toronto so raw and nba should that should be a lesson to them like you can get that kind of cl- clicks and like i'm sure that had just millions on millions of views you can get that kind of output out of a 30 second clip like make a show out of it like do this for yeah. every team like make it like yeah. interesting yeah. so it's because it, for nba for some reason it's interesting yeah you know nfl sometimes just guys like yelling on the sidelines yeah like, good tackle good tackle they kind of cut the good they, stuff i think in the nfl yeah they cut the good stuff out but that was cool like seeing them drop the play and boys like you know it was cool yeah and it's never it's no it's hockey's just brutal for that there's no 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 coaching guideline in hockey don't ever no coach just yeah yeah or check puck steve yeah no we're good yeah we're fine we don't need it but yeah no good job today 10 i would say yeah big time 10 the two man is an undefeated tactic it it's impossible to stop you get two guys cooking in the lab and it's just i mean it's yeah it's crazy. We got one out of our system, and then I was like, "When's when are we doing the next one?" Um, you know, when Phil texted me, "Hey, it's looking like a two man tonight," I was like, "Wow!" It's like a you know? it's like a dessert. Like it's like a dessert. It's like a once in a while a little treat. Like we missed the boys. Obviously, don't get me wrong. But I would I would rather them be here. Exactly, but and also like I said at the beginning of the pod, I encourage them to try it one time too. Yes, it's 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 honestly pretty fun. I'm not gonna lie. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we could do another two man. Yes, we'll see you guys again on a two man in probably July. Like this is just yeah, this probably is just our, every six months. Yeah, our rhythm, dude. <laughs> yeah. I like it. But yeah, we'll be back on Monday. Obviously, hoping for some good news. Obviously, with Demar Hamlin, and um, yeah, we'll be back talking about the games on Monday. And um, yeah. yeah, hope everybody has a good weekend. Looking forward to breaking down some playoff matchups. We're getting to that time of year. It's going to be great. So yeah, talk to you guys then.